So today is called Letting Go. And all kinds of things probably go through your mind when you think about letting go. Um, But let's look at letting go from a biblical standpoint. What does God desire for you to let go in your life? And I think about a lot of times, I'm one of those uh, people that drives that I spend a considerable amount of time when I'm driving looking in the rearview mirror. Like, I, I always know what's behind me. There's not a cop sneaking up on me. There's, there's, I'm always aware of my surroundings kind of things. And I think it's a very safe thing to do because you're aware of your surroundings. But it's, there's a fine line there. If I spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, then I'm not observing what's in front of me and seeing what's coming. And I can typically run into something or have an accident or all kinds of things happen. And so it's good to look back. It's good to have a perspective of what's behind you. But you need to know that what's forward is the most important thing, to have a forward-looking perspective. Now, the Bible says in one verse, it says that once you put your hand to the plow, it says if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, that you're not deserving of the kingdom of God. If you're always focused, and so you're looking from a farmer's perspective, that if he's plowing the field and he's always looking back, you know, admiring the, 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 the plow lines, that guess what? Eventually those lines are going to start to curve all over the place because he's not focused on what's ahead. But yet, if a farmer's smart, he doesn't have to look back because he knows when he gets to the end of the row and he turns around, now he has a perspective of what was behind him before that is healthy. He's looking at the past by looking forward. And so that's where that Bible verse really starts to impact our lives and say, hey, don't worry. You, you can still look forward and observe what has happened healthily healthily, and be in a good place about that. And that's what we want to do today. We want to kind of peek back. We want to know what's happened, but our focus is on what God's going to do going forward. So when we let go of what's behind us, God is healing something in front of us. Go with me to Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 18, we'll start in, in 23. And we've been doing a lot of parables lately. We, the last series, you know, was on a uh, uh, and this is kind of like just a standalone message. It's not part of a series. Pastor Scott is going to be starting a series next week that'll be really good. It's, a, I, think, I believe, a four-week series. But today is just a, what we call a standalone message. I'm not trying to tie it into anything particular. Just, uh, just what God has put on my heart. Me and Pastor Scott have been talking about this topic for a while. And, uh, and we felt like this was the time to bring this. And it kind of reflects what the last series was and gets us kind of set up for what's coming forward. So this parable here is the the parable of the unforgiving debtor. And it starts in verse 23. Excuse me for a second. I'll put my glasses on. So in verse 23, it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now you see how important this debt was. Not only do you owe millions, but the price of that affected not only himself. He had to pay the price for that, but also his children, his wife, the whole family was going to have to pay the price for this guy's sin, for his debt. Pretty Serious business here. So he goes on and it says, But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Millions of dollars forgiven by one word, one action. In verse 28, it says, But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So we see the difference here. The first guy has a debt that can never be paid. It's millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. But he is miraculously healed or or forgiven of this debt. Something that he was never going to be able to do on his own. He's been given the blessing of that, that, that debt being forgiven. It's gone. It's disappeared. But yet his first action is to remember that somebody else owes him something. Somebody else has a debt against him. So suddenly he's forgetting all about the millions of dollars he's been let off the hook from, and he's worried about a few thousand. And he goes running after this guy. He remembers. He grabs the guy by the throat and demands instant payment. His fellow servant, just like he did, fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. In verse 31, it says, When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. Because they knew what had happened. People had seen this guy forgiven by the king of millions of dollars of debt. They knew what had happened. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Now listen to this, very important. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Do you know what today's message is about? It's about forgiveness. And that's a statement there that should bring chills to you. It should bring the fear of God in you. And God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He wants you to be reverent of him. That's what the fear of the Lord means, reverent, to honor him so highly that when he speaks, it literally it gets to your very core. It means something. It's just not some words on a paper in an old textbook. It's not just some, some history that may or may not be true. It is the word of the living God. In fact, right here, it is Jesus Christ speaking. It's in red. And so we know not only is every word in the Bible important, but here we got the words of, the, of Jesus translating that this is the way the kingdom of God is. Remember what it said in the beginning. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to this. And then he says at the end, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive somebody. If you're just like this servant, and we are like that first servant, right? We're just like that. All of us have been forgiven a debt. If you've given your heart to Jesus, repented and asked for forgiveness, you've been forgiven a debt that you could never pay on your own. There's no dollar amount. There's nothing you could do. You could spend your entire life trying to make up for the debt that you owe, and you could never do it because that sin that we participated in, that we led into our lives, cannot be paid with anything but one payment, the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have that on your own. It had to be given to you by grace. And so this debt has been forgiven. You've been forgiven so much. Your whole life has been forgiven. 
Everything you've done, every thought you've had, every deed you've done has been forgiven because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered it. So when the Father gazes upon you, he doesn't see a sinful, disgusting person. He sees a reflection of his son. And he says, that one is redeemed. And he belongs to our family Your debt has been forgiven. But yet we are like this guy as well, where we go out and we hold a grudge. Sometimes, rightfully so, we feel like, man, people have done some rotten things to you. People have done things to you that should never have been done. People have taken advantage of you. People have told you things that are not true. And and things have happened in your life where you said, that person does not deserve to be forgiven. I'm not letting them off the hook, but we forgot that somebody let you off the hook. And that debt that they owe you is minuscule compared to the debt that God forgave you of. Millions to thousands. That's why this parable is so important to the believer's life. uh, that, That we need to understand that this is vital. This is not an option. So when we look at forgiveness, we need to understand it. From God's perspective, we can't say, you know what, okay, it's just something that I say. I forgive that person, let's move on. It generally doesn't work that way. Now, you got to understand that forgiveness, true biblical forgiveness, severs the past to the future, from the future. So imagine this. I call it my string theory. This is what I think of. I think, so if, 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 if I was standing over there and, and I was holding this, a string, kite string, whatever, and then I was... You saw it, and that was the, the, the past, and over here is the future, and I'm dragging this same string with me. I'm dragging everything from my past with me. I, I've never cut off the past from today. And so every time I take a step in the future, I'm dragging the past with me. I'm dragging hurts, resentments. All this stuff is being drugged with me. Forgiveness from God's standpoint takes, you ever seen those grand openings, they get a big pair of scissors and they cut the, the ribbon? It's like that. They cut, the, that string is cut. And no longer are you carrying and connecting the past to your today and to your future. It has been severed by God's grace. But you can do that. It's, you have the ability to cut that thing, to sever that string so you're no longer dragging those things with you. Go with me to Matthew uh, 6. So just a, a little bit back, Matthew 6. We're in 18. Just go back to 6 or gaze at the screen or phone, whatever you want to do. And these are, these are good verses to, to jot down. And, and, and like usual, when, when you hear a message preached, I don't care where you go. When a pastor gives a message and gives a, a, a topic and gives Bible verses of it, he, she is only ever scratching the surface of what's available in the Word of God on that topic. So I may give you a few verses today, but it's not, this isn't a, a, an entirety of the forgiveness uh, possibilities in, in te- textual-wise. Te- something, yeah, something like that. Um, there's a lot more there. So you jot these things then, and then you go to studying. You get in the Word and say, okay, what else do you got for me, Lord, on this topic of forgiveness? Because I want to know it so well, I live it, breathe it, and then I can teach it to somebody else because I know it. So Matthew 6, and then we got 14 and 15. And it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, if, you have a choice here. Do you understand? A choice. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And me and Pastor Pastor Scott were discussing this because this is a, a scripture that can kind of, 
freak you out a little bit. You know, like, you know, man, if I, if I haven't forgiven somebody, suddenly, are, are my sins not forgiven? Is, is that what Jesus is saying here? And after much discussion going back and forth and us discussing this thing, we kind of came to the, 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 the agreed conclusion that, that, yeah, if you have a heart that refuses to ever forgive people, or were you ever forgiven in the first? Are you really? Was your heart ever repentant and forgiven? But I guess I guarantee that we may have a hard time forgiving people. But even when then, even when we've refused to up to now, the desire should be there. We know we should do it. We, we, man, I know I should forgive this person, but I just can't do it. I can't, I can't let it go. I can't let them get away with this. Now, that, that's, that's a place where a lot of Christians are, right? We've all been there. You may be sitting there today. But if you're the one that says, I, I don't care what the Bible says, I ain't ever forgiven that person, that's who this is talking to right here. If you refuse, then you've got another thing to worry about. Has God ever impacted your life enough to change and transform you that you have a heart of forgiveness? Because it's one thing to have a tough time doing it. There's another thing refusing to do it. Okay, does that make sense? And, I, and I really, because that, that verse there kind of, kind of, I mean, you read that, and I'm like, mm, man, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. Because there's people I haven't forgiven in my life, and I'd hate to think that if I had died in that, that I wouldn't have gone to heaven because I wasn't forgiven. And, and I, I don't believe that that's what that is saying. I believe that God knew that I had a, a heart of forgiveness, and I hadn't refused. I just didn't know how to do it yet. I hadn't gotten to the point where I had gotten there, but I had a heart for it. And I believe, I believe that's with all my heart that that's where we sit today, that we have a heart for it but we're just not quite sure how to take the next step. And, and, and maybe we can get there today. So we got to understand also that forgiveness, when we think about forgiving somebody, there's a transaction happening. And we think because we're forgiving a person or a situation, maybe I'm forgiving myself or God, or we're forgiving something, that that transaction is between me and the offender. That's the natural assumption is that when I forgive that I'm having a transaction between me and the offender. So if, if I have to forgive Renee for something, the natural inclination is to think, well, I need to go to Renee and tra- have a transaction of forgiveness with Renee. And yeah, I, I should probably, if, if, if possible, go have a conversation with Renee, Renee and let her know I have forgiven her and, and, and I've given it to God. But there's other times, like when I had to forgive my father, for dying or forgive the person who abused me as a child, I had to forgive that person that, that I couldn't go have a conversation. So if that was required in the transaction, then I never could have complained at forgiveness. But guess what? Today I'm going to tell you that forgiveness is not requiring a transaction between you and the offender. It's a transaction between you and your Lord and Savior. You go to God and say, I forgive that person You let him receive that hurt and that pain. Because I'm not trying to give my hurt, my resent, and my pain back to somebody. I'm trying to give it to God and let him fulfill it and complete it and knock it out. That's the transaction that I want. But yet within that, if God allows me to go have a conversation with somebody, if there is a benefit to that conversation, if God is telling me to go talk to that person that's the offender, then yes, I'll do that. But only if God told me to do it. Otherwise, I've completed the transaction. I can let it go and give it to God without ever talking to the offender. 
So think about that. If you're thinking about, man, I'd really like to forgive this person or the situation, but I just can't. It's not even possible for me to. Today is your day because you don't have to. You can complete the transaction right where you sit today. You don't have to have that person in front of you. But somewhere down the, low, the, 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 the line, the Lord speaks to you and says, you know what? It's time to have that conversation. Then you be faithful to go have that conversation because I can guarantee it. Somebody you forgive, that you tell verbally that you forgive them, something is happening in their heart. God is doing something in their heart, and you bring healing and restoration to them. So a lot of times... This is an example. I've talked to many men who have been in, 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 in men's ministry for a long time. Many men have said, you know what? I'm not going to forgive my dad. I, I, there's a lot of bad things that happened in my life. You know, I, yeah, he wasn't there for me. He did a lot of things. But now, man, he gave his heart to Jesus. Everything's good. I'm not about to go mess up this good thing we got going now by hurting his feelings. And what they didn't know is by not going and having that confrontational thing in love is that they were denying the fulfillment of healing in their father. Their dad knew that he had done something wrong. Their dad knew that he had let this son down. Their dad knew that he had done all these things wrong. And all he ever desired in his life was to hear his son say, Dad, I forgive you. I let it go. Let's start over. The healing in his heart would have begun in that moment, and he would have let that thing go and not carried their resentment and unforgiveness against himself. When you let somebody else and you release somebody else, they're able to release something themselves. So don't ever talk yourself out of having that conversation by saying, you know what, it's good now. Why should I mess it up? Because God wants better. Good is not enough. Good is not enough. And also... You know, we get so emotionally involved in, in, in the process of forgiveness. It's a very emotional thing. Many of you have been carrying around some unforgiveness for your whole life or, mu- or much of it. Years and years you've carried this burden, this thing, this resentment, this hurt. And it, it is very emotional. It is a very impactful thing. But when it comes down to it, It's not an emotional decision to forgive somebody. It's just a choice. You have to choose beyond the emotions to say, yeah, although I felt like this, although I feel like this, although today I'm making a choice because nobody can make you do it. Nobody can push it on you. But when you choose it, that reveals to God that you do truly have a heart of forgiveness. There's where healing really starts to take place. So remember, Forgiveness is a choice, not an emotion or you know, not an emotion or a feeling. So when we get into this, there's, there's always, I always talk a lot about, about minimal, minimalizing uh, things. So I want to make sure that if we're going to clean our house today, if we're going to clean some things out, that we don't leave one room dirty while we clean the other three. Got a four-room house. And so I think about it this way. When I examine some hurts in my life, when I examine and take a peek back from God's perspective and I'm looking and saying, what needs to be addressed in my life? Three areas I need to look at when I forgive. Myself, God, and others. Not necessarily in that order. So when I'm forgiving, has, has, is there something, I, do I need to forgive myself about something? Because something might have happened to you. Like when I was abused as a child, I needed to forgive myself because my young self was telling myself, telling me that, that I had done something wrong. 
that, that, that I was guilty in this thing, that I felt disgusted and everything. And you think, well, no, I just needed to forgive that person, right, the offender. No, I needed to forgive myself in that also. And then so next comes, do I need to forgive the, somebody else, an, another person? And a lot of times that's where we is. Yes, in that circumstances, I need to forgive that person as well for that offense. And then third, do I need to forgive God? And this one sounds probably odd to people because you're like, he's God. Why, I, I got to forget. I can't, I can't do that. I can't even tell him I'm holding a grudge. But yet, young Brad blamed God for his dad dying. You understand? When, when my dad dies right in front of you, who else are you going to blame? I blamed a lot of people, but, but one of the main ones I blamed was God. We were going to church. We were doing these right things. We had started going, and, you know, my dad was involved in ministry and all this stuff. And here he is, dead in front of me, Sunday night. Who, who else am I going to blame? It wasn't my fault. Couldn't, couldn't really pinpoint anybody else, but God, he could have stopped this. He could have done something in that moment. And so you go almost 40 years later to the realization that something I had denied for years and years, decades, been told to me, you need to forgive God. You're holding a grudge against him. Are you a kid? I, not, no, I'm not. And finally, it came to me that I had resentment against God. And I needed to forgive him. I needed to do something. Because even though I was having a, a relationship with God like I'd never have in my life, there was a barrier. I had reached the point uh, of fulfillment as far as what I was allowed to. In other words, I'd only gotten as, I, was, I got as far as I could with the condition of my heart in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I couldn't go any farther. I'd hit a wall. I'd gotten to a place where I, I, I trusted him, but I, in the back of my head, I remembered that 12-year-old Brad didn't quite trust him, you know, so there's only so far I trusted him. There's only so much I would believe in him. There's only so much that I would hear from him. And so in order for that to go to fulfillment, for me to get more out of my relationship with God, I had to sever the past from today and the future, cut that thing off. And I realized I had to forgive God. And when I finally said, God, I forgive you for taking my father. Now, forgiveness sometimes doesn't even sound rational because God didn't, like, from a, a mean standpoint, take my dad. But I'm not asking you to rationalize it from an understanding of where you sit today. Rationalize it from the standpoint of where the hurt began. So 12-year-old Brad didn't understand that God had a plan or that God was doing something. I, I still don't know what that Today, I, I, I'm okay with it because I understand that his ways are higher than my ways. And I, I, I'll, I'll figure it out one day. I know that, you know, 500-something people showed up at his funeral and people got saved. And, you know, it, 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 so it, there had to be, there was, something, there was something going on there. But 12-year-old Brad envisioned this thing as you took my dad, right? 40-year-old Brad didn't, didn't see it that way. He just said, well, you know, it's just, you know, it, I was looking at it from a different perspective. But I couldn't forgive, forgive from 40-year-old Brad. I had to forgive from 12-year-old Brad because that's the rationale that I was using at that point, and that's where my hurt lie, lie. It was born there. That's where I picked it up and started carrying it with me year after year after year, dragging that string behind me of 12-year-old Brad and his hurt. So that 
is a decision you have to look at. So three things when you're examining today your heart of forgiveness. Do you need to forgive somebody else? Do you need to forgive yourself? Do you need to forgive God? In some instances, require all three. Some hurts require you to do all three. Some of them just one. That's just between you and the Lord. You have to just, you have to just, I say go farther than you've ever gone before. I say make sure. If I'm going to sweep up and clean the house, then I'm going to get into every room, every circumstance, every situation. I'm going to make sure that when I walk out those doors today that I have left no stone unturned, that I didn't leave a, a few things behind that I'm going to have to deal with 10 years from now. But today it ended and I severed my past to my future. Make sure you clean out those three things. Yourself, God, and others. So what we typically need to do, I said earlier that a lot of times we, just, we like to just uh, take the easy route. We like to say, you know what, I forgive that person. And just let it go, go on about our day, and believe that it's all taken care of. That generally, there's a spiritual truth, a physical, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's a, uh, a, a physical approach to a spiritual truth. A physical approach to a spiritual truth. A lot of times we do something in the physical to, uh, to, to respond in a spiritual way. And so what I mean by that is there's a verse that says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what you really examine that thing, what he's talking about is your will be done. Let me do your will in the physical on earth as it is in the spiritual in heaven. I may do something here on earth in a physical manner that has a spiritual truth to it, much higher, much more in depth than what I'm simply doing here, but yet I'm doing something to put action to my faith. So sometimes you're asked to do something to complete a transaction that has a spiritual meaning that has a very simple physical action. So think about, just, just think about that today. And you have to get to a place, every one of us, when you say enough is enough. When, when you're tired of carrying this thing, thing around and we think about forgiving people and we think about the situations that have happened in our lives. Many of you even got a situation like I have where I've had to forgive my mother countless, countless times. And you may be saying, I've forgiven that person. I've done that. I, I've, I've walked through that thing. But yet you sit there today still with hurts and resentments against that person. Why? Because they keep offending you. They keep doing the same thing thing over and over. Does that mean you're not supposed to forgive them? Go with me to Matthew uh, 18. Back, back to 18. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, then we'll look at uh, 21 through 22. And it's, it's, here it says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? So this applies to that one that keeps doing the same thing over and over. How often should I have to forgive this person? When is enough enough? And Jesus, he asked, how often do I forgive somebody who sins against me? Seven times? He puts the number seven out there. And Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Never stop forgiving. There's always this, this, this line that the world puts out, puts out there. Well, if you've forgiven them, you let it go. Just that's good enough, you know. Jesus always takes it to the next level. He says, no, 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 not even seven times, which sounds a lot in forgiving somebody, but 70 times seven. In other words, don't stop. Keep going. There's not a number high enough that 
that you'll end with, that you'll say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to forgive him anymore. You forgive, you forgive, you forgive, you forgive. So if you've got to go to the altar every week for the rest of your life and let that thing go, you do it. So that past doesn't connect to your future. Because when you're dragging that thing, you're not just dragging it and affecting yourself. Everybody in your sphere of influence is being influenced by that past that's being dragged with you. Your children, your grandchildren, your aunts, uncles, your brothers, sisters, your wife, your husband. Everybody is also dragging that stuff with you. With the, with the, with you. And you, you're wondering, oh, it's just affecting me. No, it's not. You're teaching them to have a hardened heart and that unforgiveness is okay when God clearly says you must forgive. And that, that, that parable, it, it implies that. Like it's, that debt is being affecting more people. You, you know, your children, your wife are going to have to help pay for that debt. They didn't even incur the debt, you did. And yet here we sit today, many of us behind bars, locked in a cell, and the keys are hanging on the hook right beside you. And you refuse to reach over and grab the keys, unlock the door, and walk out. That seems insane, doesn't it? When you think about that, like, who, who would do that? Nobody would do that. Of course you'd unlock the door. Of course you would. But yet, that's the way we are spiritually, compared to that physical truth there. We allow ourselves to be locked in when we actually hold the key. Remember, it's our choice, right? We choose to forgive. We choose to give it to God. So in that process, here's, here's the, the ultimate thing that I think of. So when I think about forgiveness, this is the way I, I think about it. Many of y'all have heard me talk about this because it's in the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the freedom class. So I think about it like this, like a doctor, and healing a wound. So say, for instance, I'm out and about somewhere, and, and uh, I'm with some friends, and somebody, by accident or on purpose, whatever, cuts my arm. And I've got an 8-inch gash on my arm, and uh, it's bleeding. It's, it's having problems. I have a choice to make at this point. I can just let it be, ride her out, see if it heals on its own, let it go away, or I can go to the doctor. I can go have a professional who's, that's their job, is to take care of this thing. Now, if I, if I just let it go and let it ride, what typically happens is, I mean, sometimes a, a, you get lucky, a wound to heal up, and then there won't be any problems. But a lot of times, if it's an open wound, you're going to get an infection. It's going to have some serious problems. You might even lose the arm. You might have some real, I mean, it might even cost you your life if you get a bad enough infection. And we think about that, and we're like, well, of course I wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. So we make the choice. We say, you know what, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the doctor. And when you get there, you're looking for healing. You're looking to be whole. You're looking to be put back together. And yet you have to endure a fairly painful process in order to get there. And, and we, we see, the reason that we thought about not going to the doctor in the first place is because we wanted to avoid that pain. We were willing to risk our future our life, in order to avoid the pain of healing. And so we do nothing, but we have made it to the doctor. And so the first thing, and a lot of you are in the health profession, and so if I'm missing something, forgive me. I'm just kind of going basics. But, but uh, typically, the first thing they're going to do is not only examine the wound and see what happened there, ask you what's going on, see what's going on. You'll tell them what's going on. Um, 
But then they're going to go about their business. And their business involves more likely starting by cleaning it out, flushing the wound out. And uh, if any of you have had that happen, it's not a pleasant thing. It's, in fact, very painful and excruciating. And, 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 and it, especially people that have been gone through burn situations, horrible thing. But they go through that because they are realizing that, well, this is something I need to endure in order to get to the place that I want to get. And that's I want to get healed. I want to get whole. And so you go through that. And then eventually, they, they have, once they have the wound cleaned out, they, they'll put some stitches in there and sew that thing up. And so you got that part of the process. And um, typically, they've numbed it by this point. But I don't know, those shots, those hurt me bad. Those shots, you know, I can't stand those things. Um, they sew it up. Then they'll bandage it up to keep it from getting dirty or infected. There's this whole process going on. You see this process happening. And they'll send you home. But it's still not over. It's still not completed. You're thinking, well, okay, I'm good now. I'm good. But eventually you'll go back for that return visit. And you'll get there. They'll unwrap the, the bandage and examine the wound. There's this whole process happening. Man, I wish this was easier. I wish it was quicker. Why couldn't you have just said, oh, it's healed and let me leave? Now I had to go through this whole thing, this whole process. And he'll examine, and if it looks good, he'll, he'll say, okay, you're good now. And you'll leave with nothing but a scar, eight-inch scar on your arm. And if you ever had a big scar, you know, and, or if you've seen somebody with a scar, a lot of times you get to talking to them, what do you do? Hey, man, how'd you get that? What happened there? Oh, I got cut. You start telling them your story. You know, you start telling them, yeah, I got cut here. Man, I thought I was going to lose my arm. You know, you tell the whole thing. But, but man, but, but I went to the right place. I went to the healer. The doctor sewed me up, went through this process. It was painful. It, I had to endure it. But yet, at the end of the day, I'm just left with this, this scar here. And in fact, man, you can push on it, and it's kind of numb. It doesn't even hurt anymore. That's how scars feel, right? Got a few. And that's all you're left with. But guess what? Suddenly, you've gone through this process of healing, and all you're left with is this scar, which is a story, which is your testimony what you're testifying about, but you can tell everybody who asks about that scar exactly how you got healed and the process you went through to get where you are. And in fact, you give glory or honor to the doctor in that case who took good care of you. But when God comes in and spiritually cleanses you out, sews you up, heals you, sets you free, and somebody says, how did you get to this place? And you testify about how God healed you from all your hurts and pains, how you forgave people and let it go, and you went through this process, glory to God is seen in your story, in your process, in what you have exhibited. That's what God is choosing to do. It's a process. Why does God have you go through a process? Because it's part of what he does in the natural and the physical, and it gives glory to God. And so today, I'm asking you maybe to go into a painful place, maybe to say, I'm going somewhere I haven't ever gone. Maybe even right now, God is reminding you of some things that have happened. Because there's things that I forgot for a long time. My, my abuse, as abuse as a child, I completely wiped from my mind for years. Until one day in church, God reminded me. And I went and told Renee. And the healing process started. And it was It was tough. But man, the freedom I started getting, the, the, the freedom. But eventually I got to a place that I had to let it go. I had to forgive that person. Did they deserve to be forgiven? I, don't, I can't say they deserved it. Did, did they, 
you know, I look at this thing and I'm like, there were so many reasons why I could talk myself out of forgiving that person. So many reasons. But yet all I was doing to myself was keeping myself in that jail cell. I was only hurting myself. I was hurting everything about my life. I wasn't hurting this person. They were living their life, going about business, didn't have a care in their world about what was happening over in Brad. Yet here I was holding on to this thing, which I considered so valuable, not valuable in a good way, but valuable in a bad way. Because if I believed it, if I let this thing go, I let them off the hook. They got away with it. So I had to hold on to it because I couldn't entrust it to anybody else. I wasn't going to give it to somebody else because there's nothing they could do. They, they couldn't do enough with it. But yet when I came to the realization that when I took them off of my hook and hung them on God's hook, that it took and put the situation in God's hands. So I had this person who I could do nothing about suddenly having to uh, face the living God because I had given him something and I had to make a choice to give it to him. God wasn't going to just rip it from me and take it from me. He waited until the day that I said, Lord, I've had enough. Today I choose to forgive this person and give the hurt to you, Lord. Now you take over. You do something about that person. And I've never had a conversation with that person. Never had a conversation. Didn't need to. God hasn't asked me to. Maybe someday, you know, it, it might. I don't, years, years down the road now, I've never had that conversation. So today, give me an opportunity to do something different. And here's what, when I say action ways, in James 2.14, it says, uh, and y'all don't have this verse, don't worry about it. In James 2.14, it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, everybody here, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? What good is that faith? Because it says in the Word of God that faith without works is dead. Faith without works or action is dead. Faith without putting some action to it, moving your feet, doing something is dead. But take the opposite of that. Faith with action, faith with works is alive. You see God show up. You see him do something. You leave transformed and changed and, and, and your life is affected. You, you, you invested your time wisely at church. So today I'm asking you to do something. Put faith and action together and let it come alive in your life. And you say, how am I going to do that? How am I going to let this thing go? How am I going to forgive somebody? Once again, this transaction is between nobody but you and God. I'm not asking you to go talk to anybody, to do anything, but I'm asking you to put a physical representation to a spiritual truth and let God do his part. So here's, here's what we're going to do. So you see, you're like many of y'all wondered like, did anybody know that was a shredder, by the way? <laughs> okay, so I, I've got one shredder there. I got one there. And then I got one over here. So I've got three, three shredders. So the ushers are going to come out, and we're going to just give you some time. If y'all put some just some background music on, please. That one's loud. We'll wait on that one. Here's what we're going to do. So when I was in, in Teen Challenge Ministry, in the men's ministry, we would do forgiveness fires. And these men that had been through some really rough times in their lives, I mean, some of these stories that they would tell would break you down. The abuse and the things that they'd experienced. And you're like, there's no wonder you ended up a drug addict. I would have too, you know. It's like, it, it's just horrible things. But yet when given the opportunity, when faced with this choice, 
they would write down these, we do forgiveness fires, a big bonfire out front, and they would write down, I forgive my dad, I forgive God, I forgive myself. They'd write whatever down, just a very short little thing, and they would take it and set it and put it in that fire and say, Lord, I give this to you. I release it. When you physically release that hurt, a spiritual truth takes over. You're giving it to God. So today we can't light a fire in the sanctuary and have you all burn it. So I said, you know what? Second best thing, shredders. So you go ahead and hand those things out. It's as simply it says a statement. If you have somebody or a situation that you need to forgive today, if you can put that music on, please. There was something supposed to be on. Don't be afraid, even if it's very, very small in your eyes. Because I guarantee you've, the reason it's small in your eyes is because you've minimized it. Because hurt won't allow you to take a good look at it. So even if you think it's very, very small, like, oh, that was just a little small thing. Somebody said something to me. Yeah, it hurt my feelings. No, put it down. Somebody at work offended you. Somebody did something. Any unforgiveness that you're carrying around, I'm begging you, don't leave with today. We understood that God demands it, He requires it, that He expects it. But yet, the reason He does all those things is because He desires for you to be healed. He desires for you to be set free. There should be pins in the seat backs in front of you. And you're just going to write down that person's name or, or whatever. This is just between you and God. If you want to share it with somebody next to you, that's fine. And then once we're done here in a minute. You're going to come up and just slip it in the shredder. It goes away. It no longer exists. And I just want you to say to yourself when you do that, Lord, I give this to you. I forgive this person. I give this to you. And that shredder is a representation of something you can't take with you when you leave. Do you understand that? That's all that is. It's a representation of it being destroyed. So when you walk out of here, it's destroyed in that box right there. You're not carrying it with you. You're not going to take this burden out with you. It's cutting the string today. This is God's heart. God has forgiven you of so much. Don't walk out of here holding on to a debt that's very small compared to that, even if it was probably the thing that impacted your life the most. So some of you are looking at situations that are so big, you're, you're struggling right now and saying, I don't, I don't, Brad, I don't know how to do this. Trust God in this moment. And when you stand up and put those feet into action, your faith is going to become alive and more alive. And you're going to walk up there. You're going to give it to God. You're going to put it in the shredder and let that thing be gone. And then if you watch those, let those feet carry you back to your seat or you can stay up here and pray. I'll have my ministry team up here. You can pray with somebody if you need to. But if all you need to do is slip that thing in there, and i got to believe that everybody's probably holding on to something I'd like, a, I mean, I'd love to have 100% participation in this. And get, we'll just give glory to God that people are cleaning the slate today. Amen? All right, so let me, hold on a second. Let me turn these, one of these, they're supposed to be on automatic, but one of these, yours doesn't work on automatic, I don't think. It just keeps going. All right. All right, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll do what we need to do. Dear Holy Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for this day. I thank you, Lord, 
for being our King and our Savior. I thank you, Lord, for your forgiving heart. Thank you, Father, that you have forgiven us so much, that you love us so much, that you gave us a pathway to freedom. Today, Lord, you have set before us a choice of life and death. And I pray, Lord, that we choose life. I thank you, Lord, that our life shouldn't be about the burdens of the past, but the freedoms of the future. And so today I pray that everybody in here would have the courage, the strength to do what maybe even seemed impossible this morning before they got here. And that is to let something go that they've been carrying for a long, long time. We're not doing this, Lord, because somebody deserves it. We're doing it because we deserve it. We deserve to be free. We deserve not to carry this with us. So, Father, give us a new heart. Give us the strength and the courage to do this thing. And, Father, as everybody in here declares that they give this to you, I pray, Lord, that not a single person carries this burden with them outside these doors. But I pray, Lord, as they put it in these shredders, just a representation of of you taking it, Father, that it is done. It is finished. We will no longer carry this thing. We will no longer let it affect our lives. But we will today give it completely to you, 100%, and we will walk out of here free, 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 and not carry this burden. Whether big or small or anything in between, Lord, today this pain, this unforgiveness, these resentments belong to you, God. It's no longer ours. And I thank you, Lord, Father, for this simple physical act becoming such a huge spiritual truth in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.